0: Welcome to Disrespectfully Agree with LJ and Oatman. I am LJ. Across from me is Mr. Oatman. What's good, everybody? Oh, yeah. All right. Hell, yeah. That's right. We're going to talk this week about oh, Sorry yeah. to Bother You, written and directed right. by Boots yeah. Riley, starring, right. if I'm saying this right, LaKeith Stanfield as Cassius Green, little on the nose, Tessa Thompson, Terry Crews. Omari Hardwick, and Danny Glover as Langston. The film is sort of about a gentleman named Cassius. He is down on his luck, doesn't have a job, gets a job at a telemarketing company, and kind of works his way up the ranks. But it's kind of a fantastical, modern-day, dystopian, magical realism piece that's sort of a harsh critique of capitalism and the kind of racial structure of america we're going to start with our general reactions to this piece and then jump into spoilers and let you know when that happens mr oatman what did you think of this film
1: the best analogy that i could use to capture my feeling of this film it reminded me of a person with a really strong natural voice that has no training and has no control. One of those people you see who comes on to uh, American Idol years ago and they have this big, powerful instrument and does not have a clue how to focus or use it. That's how this film felt to me. There were some wonderful moments in it, and, and it was wonderfully ambitious. It's also a complete mess. It is all over the place. Mm-hmm. And not only that, I think it's, uh and I rarely say this, rarely, It's too ambitious. Uh, (laughs) This is sort of, this is the kind of fair that is better resigned to a novel. Uh, It's so much in it. It's so much that it's trying to attack. It does not fit the form that it's in. Uh it's just too much. It goes after capitalism. It goes after reality television. It goes after the prison the prison industrial complex. It goes after uh racism in all its form. It goes after classism. It mm-hmm. deals with unions and and worker against the proletariat. I mean it has all kind of visual motifs that it tries to slide in on, under the uh railing and it just it becomes a mess. Like it's and there's of- only so many sacred cows that you can slay in a two-hour <laughs> period before it's just too much.
0: It, Yeah, it's. It, you're saying that it seems like you could argue he thought, you know what, I might only get to make one movie. Yeah, so I'm, I'm gonna putting make... it all in
1: here. I'm going to make <laughs> six movies in one. Going to make them all right now. <laughs> and what I found really interesting and quite fascinating is that the maker of this film, Boots Riley, leveled a really strong, sharp, hard critique to Spike Lee Spike Lee for Black Klansman. and what's ironic about this is if you watch this mess of a film he is obviously a visual child of Spike Lee
0: he, I think he's admitted that
1: Yeah, no, I'm not saying that he, he that he, he would run away from that but it's it's funny that he is clearly super influenced by Spike Lee but the difference is is that Spike Lee who did Clansman which he's critical of and I'm even critical of 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 Klansmen are on several fronts but one thing that I like about Klansmen is it says I'm going to take this thing mm-hmm. and I'm going to hit that with a hammer uh, sure in this two hours that you have allotted me Boots Riley tries to do I don't know about five black Klansmen in one movie and it's just too much and it can't hold the strain of it. it 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 has no consistent thread that goes throughout it that can hold all of that together and what happens is you have a first third uh, of the film that has some real potential to it and some real interesting commentary mm-hmm. that they're doing then we get into a middle where they get lost and by the time we get to the last third of the film Boy, it, act
0: 3 is something
1: it is just a horrific awful mess it it just is bad i mean it's just it's real bad and it's like wow you know i i give him credit i have rarely seen a film go that bad at the end (laughs) like it goes howard the duck bad i mean it takes a turn oh just bad I mean it starts where it 's a little charming, and we get the mm-hmm. they 're making love and they 're in a room and then it it opens up in surprise he 's inside of a garage and and then they have the car that is way too broken down to be a real car in real life but fine but yeah I, it, I, I'm, and I'm and there's there 's
0: a great moment with the gas station i don 't want to spoil here, uh, don 't spoil it don 't spoil yeah,
1: it yeah here 's the thing at the gas station scene that 's brilliant it 's funny i 'm invested in this world yeah, it,
0: it was it seemed like He's going for a kind of Michelle Gondry okay. kind of a thing with a little bit of Spike Jones. Yeah, the
1: set design is brilliant here. I like it. it. It goes over the top at times, but I like that he's taking a swing at it. He sort of cuts, he, he cuts a little bit of cloth, really from a lot of uh, television forerunners. Uh, like there used to be a, I forget the name of the show, but I think it was called Sisters. Or something like that that had this uh trope in it where there would be this magic realism that would sort of just sort of insert itself into a narrative that came on years and years and years ago. And and so he, he, they're they're taking from a lot of things, and the first part is working. I'm with them, and I'm like, okay, we're. I also going got at? a lot
0: of hints of Terry Gilliam, like Brazil yeah, style, definitely not nearly as stylized and ab- as stylized, absurd, but, but there are certainly hints of that.
1: Yeah, it's definitely in here, and, and there's some good stuff in here, even in in the beginning, where I'm kind of with the film. It's still, I had the feeling. And I don't know if you've ever had this experience where you go and you you hear about this cheeseburger, that's the best cheeseburger in Kansas City, and you go to the restaurant and get the burger and you eat it. And it's good.
0: I got a question for you. What
1: the hell are you doing in Kansas City? I was in there on a conference for, uh, <laughs> for college editors years ago. So you go there and you, you're tasting this burger and it's good, but it's just not as good as it should be. Mm-hmm. You know, it's good. It's fine. It's a. it's fine. I mean it's a solid B plus, but it's not as good as it should be. Even in the first start of this film, when I saw what they were trying to do, it just wasn't as good as it should have been. The jokes were funny, but not quite as funny as they could be. Um the images were arresting, but not as arresting as they could be. It was always yeah. eh, but but I'm with it though. It's it's But assault. I
0: I got the sense that this is where we're starting things will yeah. get crazier from here and boy did they but boy oh boy in a way I I really I think wish it had not
1: Man it, it 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 may have the award for the most promising film that just went bad I mean it went real bad
0: Well I got I got crazy news for you the reviews are in this movie is beloved
1: <sighs> You know God bless I'm mad at you there, you know <laughs>
0: You know, all the reviews are, you know, audacious and oh, and unnerving, but a masterpiece, you know, that kind of stuff. They're
1: insane. <laughs> I have no clue what they're watching. Yeah, it was bad. And I mean, we need to get to spoilers okay. like pronto.
0: Spoiler alert, everybody. We're going to jump into spoilers here. Last chance to get out. Warning. Be aware that this movie gets disturbing in unexpected ways. Especially if you were like, oh, let's go see a movie. I heard this one's good. Beware. It gets horse crazy. Horse people. No. I'm horse
1: ca- people. I- they turn people into horses. The last third of this damn film, they're turning people into horses. That's what we end with. We go from capitalism to horse people.
0: Yeah. It's like uh, George W. Bush's nightmare. It's like-
1: so ridiculous. <laughs>
0: Human animal hybrids.
1: And not only that, they don't even hide the imagery. Like you see in this weird, twisted Cronenberg, I don't know what it is. Horse people is what this is what. We go from the, the idea of the exploited worker, which is interesting. And then what's really fascinating is this idea of double consciousness and the duality of African Americans. I want to
0: get to that. Yeah. Who,
1: who have to separate their blackness in order to be accepted in this world. And all of that is set aside. For a storyline that has uh this evil corporation turning people into horses for free labor. That's what it turns into. That's what this picture does. Damn you, Boots, Riley. Damn you. <laughs> it's awful. That's the stupidest thing I've ever seen. Yeah. it', it Stupidest thing I've ever seen. It really
0: was... It's set up a lot, and it just throws all of it away.
1: It just throws it all away. Like, you know, one of the most fascinating things that I thought was going to get explored that never got explored is they're exploring the duality of a black man who's trying to survive in a white Mm -hmm. world, and then they give to us. And thriving. Yeah. Succeeding
0: better than anybody else.
1: Better than anybody else, but they give us this fascinating Asian character Mm -hmm. who is going after this character's girlfriend. And so I was fascinated. And that goes away. That that goes away. But not only does that go away, but they don't give us any inflection into what is it to be an Asian man Mm -hmm. to enter into this world. Does he, too, have to affect some other voice to be accepted? Or is he, by definition, considered white because he's Asian?
0: I expected something. Here's where I thought we were going with that character. The Winklevoss twin guy. Army Hammer's character talks about in the horse explanation. He talks about having a Martin Luther King Jr. horse.
1: And I thought that guy was going. I told my wife. I said. So I said the Asian guy is a double edged That's what I thought. Right?
0: Like the, he set this up. They set this up. He's he goes from place to place, nope. instigating exactly. You know, union. I told stuff. my
1: wife. I said that guy. Is a double agent. He's he, he did the same thing that he was talking about with the horse people. He's already he's done. already
0: doing it with that guy.
1: He's doing it with that guy. Nope. Now would have been interesting. And no. they and they show no duality for this minority character. Like he's sort of from an underserved community in some sense mm-hmm. uh, or underrepresented. Certainly. Is there any duality for him? That question is imposed. No. It's not discussed. No. I would have been fascinated to hear the, the, the answer to that. There's nothing. Or hearing the idea of there's one brief scene where they have his girlfriend working there.
0: The most character development we get for that guy is a comic monologue where he's talking about venereal disease. Yeah. That's about it.
1: That's about it. I was hoping that we even got like an idea of is there duality for a woman who has to sell to people in that setting because they at one scene they have her sitting there working which comes out of nowhere.
0: He he said, "Hey, if you want an extra, you know, a second job, you can work here." And she just showed up working there
1: no I'm just saying I didn't think it was consistent with her character it, it, it felt sure
0: weird like why would she do that
1: it felt like a weird transition for the character
0: there, but, well there's a lot of transitions for her especially that are odd that are odd that come out of nowhere That's and true. you could justify that magical you know realism but whatever. I was just
1: hoping that they stayed along that duality thread and we explore
0: her character's a problem
1: who, who isn't I mean in a
0: well sense. sure but her character especially is the most Maybe not the most underserved, but she, she's a main character in this film and she's is a lot she, of screen time. Is she really? Technically, she's a lot of, she's on screen a lot. Maybe second only to the main character. And I don't understand what Boots Riley is doing with her. She also has a white voice. She does a British—in fact, they hired, just like with—so let's explain this. The main character, Cassius, and there's another black character in this who also works at the call center who has a white voice. Cassius, uh, his voice is David Cross, and the voiceover for the other guy, whose name we never learn, is Patton Oswalt. And Cassius' girlfriend, played by Tessa, her name's Detroit— she has a white voice as well. It's um, the woman who played the girlfriend in Baby Driver. She does a British voice and goes in and out of it. And and I'm like, okay, that's it. So this woman has been criticizing Cassius for this, and she's doing it too. So why is this happening? Is this going to be addressed? Is this going to come up? Nope. Not no. really.
1: No, they they threw away the entire, in, in some ways, maybe what, what this guy is doing, maybe he learned the lessons from Spike Lee too well.
0: Don't hit it over the head with a hammer.
1: (laughs) No, I think Spike Lee did similar. He did something in a similar film years ago, which was a very fascinating film that dealt with colorism and sort of how colorism worked within uh, black academic institutions. In the last, I don't know, ten minutes of the of the film, he throws away everything Hmm. to do some weird, surrealistic "everybody wake up" ending that makes no sense. Uh, in school days, and ha- and, and essentially he doesn't end the film. Mm. He just creates this mess of a ending, which always pissed me off because it was such a wonderful film talking about wonderful things. But at the end, he doesn't slide home. And I feel that's what Boots, but Boots Ride is even worse. I mean, the last third of this film is just awful. The second that you start talking about horse people and then it's in cocaine and you're sniffing it and you want the Martin Luther King of horse people. I was like, okay, check, please. I'm, I'm just, I'm, I'm done.
0: It, yeah. So I, this started out with kind of Michelle Gondry, Terry Gilliam, Spike Jonesy. By the end, this turned into, it's, it's almost like if, Terry Gilliam and Darren Aronofsky made a nightmare. (laughs) (laughs) That's where this ended up. I was so uncomfortable and disturbed by everything. The whole third act, I, I, it just left. It didn't leave me with questions. It left me kind of angry, and I left the theater wishing I kind of hadn't seen it. (laughs) It was so unpleasant.
1: Yeah, it was. It was not pleasant. I mean, basically, they have an uprising of. Horse people. Yeah,
0: it's almost it's like a dis, like an even more disturbing 1990s era teenage mutant ninja turtles kind of a thing. They're just unbelievably horrible to behold.
1: I would really love to strip down this film. I would love to get rid of every bit of the prison industrial complex storyline. I would love to get rid of that
0: with I- the the Walmart. the the Amazon Labor Force thing? Yeah,
1: where you sign on for a long time, I would Mm -hmm. get rid of that. The
0: Foxconn kind of...
1: I would get rid of all mentions to horse people and that whole storyline, I would strip that away. And then I would get rid of all of the commentary on reality television. I would strip that away.
0: Yeah, I don't know what that was doing.
1: Nothing. It wasn't doing a damn thing. I would strip all of that away, and I would just focus on the idea of this guy rising up in a company uh because he's able to uh to basically simulate whiteness. And there's an amazing, amazing monologue in this film that really holds promise for what this film could have been. And that's Danny Glover, who delivers this monologue about talking white. Mm-hmm. That entire monologue is amazing. Mm-hmm. Because he's like, no, no, it's not even that I want you to sound white. It's it's, I want you to sound what they think they what, should sound what like. What
0: they think they want, what they wish they were.
1: So, I mean, that that was so brilliant. This idea of, no it 's not that you 're that you 're reflecting them you 're reflecting a fantasy of themselves, so it was almost like looking at a fun house mirror and and reflecting that with another funhouse mirror oddly it 's that
0: a, oddly it's a more effective and thought out version of what Spike Lee did in Black Klansman, where that character was doing the kind of Dave Chappelle nasally voice version of a white guy. And here, they actually make fun of that. Like, he goes out, yeah. like, he does the nasally version first, and Danny Glover's like, no. Uh, Langston, no, that's no. not it, man. Yeah,
1: that's not it. <laughs> he was like, and he starts saying, no, 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 you didn't get fired, you just got laid off. That's right. You know, it was <laughs> sort of, and he was creating sort of that, that cast system that exists and then reflecting that in a vocal pattern and then using that to sell people. God, I love that bottle. law. That moment is so, it's so that, powerful.
0: so powerful. And there's a lot of stuff he could do with just those two characters. When you have Absolutely. Cassius excel, he takes that advice and excels better yeah. than anybody else.
1: Well, something that's never explained is how come Danny Glover, who's been there yeah. and has perfected a voice of that kind, how come. That's he- what
0: they needed to explore. That would have been fun to explore, to have this guy who just took that advice and just went off.
1: No, I didn't finish the sentence. Okay, What I I was going to say at the end of the sentence was, how come he hasn't excelled in that same way? He's clearly mastered that voice and that technique, but yet still, he's still in the trenches. He hasn't made power caller levels in the way that Lakeith Stanfield does. Why is he still there? Even though he's mastered, I'm saying that was never explained.
0: I was agreeing with you. I think that's where I thought you were going, is that's what they needed to explore. That's the dynamic between those two characters that could have been mined and wasn't.
1: I would have really loved to have seen that or even have, uh, you know, I don't want to rewrite the film. You know, I would have, you know, really loved maybe another character to introduce that to him and then have Danny Glover be a character up on that other floor where we get more screen time between the two of them because Danny Glover, he had a certain level of authority that even though his character I don't think was greatly written, Mm -hmm. Danny Glover has a way of filling in those spaces. he's got
0: gravitas.
1: Yeah, he has a certain gravitas that other actors can't. You give other actors a flat character and you just level the flat character. He took that character and really put some... You know, some some texture to mm-hmm. it. I would have loved to have had him been the guy that met him on that floor instead of Omar Chadwick, who, I, you know, God bless him, but that character was very throwaway. I would have loved for that to have been Danny Glover and to have more scenes of him training him, not only about whiteness, but about how the world works. And I love how I, I did like the convention as, as, as to once you leave that floor, you're not selling encyclopedias anymore. Mm-hmm. Now, other things. Things are being sold mm-hmm. that may be more deleterious to society and stuff like guns and all kind of slavery. People, whatever. yeah, I, I love that idea that the power callers are the one that sell the real items that 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 matter to us. There could have been something done with that, but but like you you said, you made this point. He literally just throws all that away. Mm-hmm. Uh, he throws away the Asian brother, who's a great character in here. Yeah, interesting, and all, throws just pushed him. aside pushed aside. I think Terry Crews is wasted here. Yep. We, we get very little Terry Crews at all. And Terry Crews is an interesting guy if you, you know, put some dialogue in his hands.
0: Mm-hmm. And weirdly, Boots Riley's treading some ground that has already been trod by another not great film that, that is funny intellectually, but in execution, not so good. And that is Idiocracy. Yeah. From Mike Judge. He does the reality TV thing, he does, and Terry Crews in that as well. Yes,
1: he is. Um, That's a much better film. Really? Than, yes, it is. It's a much better film.
0: It's a smarter film.
1: It's a much better film.
0: Ironically. And, and here's
1: the thing. It's not a good film. It's
0: not a good film. <laughs> it's not a good film, <laughs> but it's better than this one. I guess the third act of this one is so detrimental. <laughs> Like, the the promise of this film is far higher and more interesting and can exactly. reach higher heights than idiocracy ever could.
1: Exactly. Idiocracy, it, it, it opens himself up saying, like, this is surface. Yeah, yeah, we're touching on these different issues, but we're only going But this go- is
0: a comedy. Yeah, it this is, is a
1: comedy. We're not going to... Yeah, we're silly and, and we're not going to go too far. Uh, this one is really a statement about society. It's like a... It's a manifesto. Uh, and it's just... Not worthy. But it's
0: unfinished.
1: Yeah, it's not worthy of the ambition that's driving it. And not, not finished isn't even a question. They finished it, but horribly. Yeah. Horribly. To what it reminded me of the most is, although this is a much better film, it, it seemed like it was trying to do what Drop Squad did, and it didn't get there.
0: I don't know, Drop Squad.
1: Drop Squad was a film that came out, I don't know, maybe 20, 25 years ago, and it was a film about uh, this squad of African American people who go around kidnapping uncle tom black people and retraining them in their blackness hmm. they kidnap and put them in a the van and take them to this processing center and they call it dropping and a drop squad huh. and then they're like these old radicals that kidnap you and they take you and they show you film and, <laughs> <laughs> and they do all the stuff to reprogram you out of your uncle tomness wow
0: it's a <laughs> That's a that's a very interesting statement about programming.
1: (laughs) And oddly enough, the reason that Drop Squad is better than this film is because it has less of a budget. It's it was done on a shoestring. So because it was done on a shoestring, they couldn't create mutant horse people. So when you have a when you have films made on a shoestring, (laughs) it almost they couldn't
0: afford to screw it up.
1: (laughs) Well, it, it 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 forces you to concentrate on characters. Mm-hmm. It forces you to concentrate on dialogue. It forces you to 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 actually take another look at the script and figure out other ways to make your point uh, other than CGI, weird effects, or whatever it is you're doing. It forces you to do those things. This thing had too much budget. I would have loved to have seen this film if he didn't have the budget to create mutant horses. What would he have done then? I don't know. Maybe he would have ended the film properly by creating a proper character arc for the characters that we had. He may have had to, I don't know, write. <laughs> you know, had he not had all of these bells and whistles and.
0: Yeah, it's a lot of message without the movie.
1: I agree. A lot of message and no movie. I agree. Very, very succinctly put. I agree.
0: We're outliers. I can't believe we both agree on this. Yeah. And we disagree with almost every other critic.
1: By Boo Riley. Huh? By Boo Riley.
0: Boo Riley from To Kill a Mockingbird? Oh, that's Boo Radley.
1: No, Boo Riley. Boo.
0: Oh, Boo. I see. Boo. I'm going to cut all that out. No, come on. (laughs) That's horrible. Why are you cutting out
1: all my good shit, dude?
0: I'm not cutting out the good shit.
1: You're an awful person.
0: (laughs) Well, that may be true. (laughs)
1: Yes, You're a horse person. You're Equisapian as of
0: today. I am a ninja turtle. Thank you very much. I am a Donatello. Yeah,
1: that's what you
0: are. He's the best one.
1: (laughs) Okay. (laughs) And so to wrap up Oh. Hoot Riley. Mm Mm-hmm. Bad boo. Yeah,
0: uh yeah. I, I think there's something here. I would be curious to see him give another shot. To telling a story,
1: I would love to give him a hundred thousand dollars and say, "Go make a film Yeah. and see what he made." He uh, had too much budget here. And Sometimes I think that can lead you astray. Uh, you know, I would take you know some of the explosions that happen on these cars. I wish you would have took that money and hired a co-writer to just write a better ending. They come pretty cheap. They come pretty cheap, from what I'm told.
0: Yeah, when you don't have writers, you get Transformers too. <laughs> And that will do it for us this week. Check us out on the Apple Podcast app. Give us a review. tell a friend about the show. Yay, yay. And our website disagreepodcast.com. dot com. We will talk at you next week everybody bye. <laughs> open. how you want anything to say to the
1: peace pod? and chicken oh, and grease. There, there we go. that that down.
0: Uh, speaking of Get Out, it took me forever. I could not figure out where I knew this guy uh, Yeah, he was in the from. opening was, scene of Get Out. Yeah, he's was uh, the first guy to get abducted in that movie.
1: This movie... In Atlanta, of course, is where we all know him from. Oh, of he's course. He's amazing in Atlanta.
0: Yeah, we've all seen that.
1: <laughs> <laughs> it's on my list. I don't even, white guy, a white guy alert. Put I'll, that with a spoiler alert. No, it's white not a white alert.
0: guy alert. It's a, I don't have TV alerts. And I, Poor white guy alert. Bing, bing. Well, yeah, it's true. You get it on Netflix, I'll watch it. Uh, it's on
1: Hulu.
0: I yeah, but you got to pay for that. I'm not. I'm not doing that.